RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and we are, as always, very happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. And things are heating up. Could you feel the heat? Could you feel the heat, folks? And it's not just walking out of my house in the state of uh, Florida with 100 degrees humidity and 95 degree temperatures. You know, they said we had a cool front coming. The low is going to be 79. I was underwhelmed. Uh, but I digress. Uh, yeah, uh, things are uh, are moving faster. Uh, AEW is, uh, before you know it, the blink of the eye. They are going to be on television. We'll talk a little bit more about that whole project and um, and uh, their big start on TNT as the podcast progresses. Uh, as we record this, uh, NXT has not yet debuted on USA, but it will in a one-hour format uh, by the time that this is be- that you are listening to this. And so, interested to see what that looks like. Uh, according to Triple H, the creative process will stay the same. So, it will be a very interesting dichotomy of watching uh, Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown, eventually going to Friday very soon, and then. Um, Wednesday night NXT because basically you got uh, a Monday and a Friday product that's being booked in a totally different way uh, than a Wednesday product by the same company. So uh, in a company, in a, in a business where egos are fragile and in a family where probably uh, uh, there's a hierarchy, it might be interesting to see how that all turns out in the wash. But like I said, things are heating up and uh, we're going to stick with it, and uh, we're going to be here every single week to give you the blow-by-blow, the play-by-play, our opinion, and we'll also uh, talk about, uh, you know, how the ratings are doing and uh, how the shows are doing and, and, and follow the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I got to follow the, the, the game, so to speak, uh, from WCW's standpoint, uh, when I work for WCW in the Monday Night Wars, now I get to follow this new game from an independent standpoint. So it's uh, it's a new, interesting perspective. I never thought that uh, we would see, but uh, it's here and it's almost upon us. So we're going to embrace it and uh, we're going to give you our honest to goodness thoughts and predictions. Folks, got an interesting story for you. As you know, uh, I am old. I'm 53 years old. When I was a young kid and I watched wrestling, uh, there's only one way to follow professional wrestling outside of your weekly local wrestling promotion, of which mine was Championship Wrestling from Florida, as we all know. Uh, and that was to go to the magazine store and you either bought or you sat there and, uh, and read for hours uh, wrestling magazines. And so... When you read wrestling magazines and you don't you don't hear a pronunciation, uh, the story has a point, by the way. Uh, so when I used to read the Georgia Championship wrestling results, I thought Ole Anderson's name was Ole Anderson because I O L E I read it as Ole. So to me, it was Ole Anderson. And then finally, when I got Championship wrestling from Georgia, and they said Ole Anderson, I was like, oh, I, I totally got screwed that up. Uh, I used to think Vern Gagne and Greg Gagne was Gange. Greg Gaines, Vern Gange. You just, you read things a certain way and, uh, and 
that's what you get in your mind. That's a totally different world now. You can look anything up and Siri can tell you anything. But um, the reason I bring this point up is I was working uh, for a YouTube company doing interviews at WrestleMania weekend this past year, as we know. And uh, I had read about a video blogger who video blog va- uh, bands. I'm a big music mark, as you know, and uh, and wrestling. And I'm a big wrestling mark, as you know. Uh, so, and had been involved in Impact Wrestling and was going to be a part of uh, All In or was a part of All In. So uh, I had seen her name. And in my mind, her name was Alicia Atout because that's how I read it. And I never asked Siri, which was a mistake because when I went to go interview her for this other YouTube company, I uh, went up to her and I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Alicia Atout. And to my embarrassment, she corrected me and said, it's a toot. And I thought back and hearkened back to the days of Ole Anderson and Vern Gange. And uh, I don't know why I thought about that. And I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything. I just thought it was ironic. So, ladies and gentlemen, interested to talk to her today. So, my guest this time, and I will pronounce it right this time, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, YouTube sensation, uh, internet sensation. We're going to hear her story about the music business, her blog, and professional wrestling. I'm talking about Alicia Atut. I got it right. Ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned, my guest this week, 52,000 YouTube subscribers and 10 million plus YouTube views. She has a blog called Ambi. She's talked to some of the biggest bands and some of the biggest professional wrestlers in the industry. And her story to me is fascinating. Uh, and I got her name pronounced right this time, as we mentioned. Please welcome from Ambi blog, Alicia Atute. Hello, hello. What a lovely intro. I am so excited to be on here today. Thank you so much for having me. You like that intro? You think like uh, I might have done that before or something, maybe once or twice. Once or, once or twice. <laughs> so I was, was talking a little bit before we started, and uh, when I was 17, 16, 17 years old, I was uh, trying to do things that most people in high school didn't do, and uh, ended up getting a gig as a uh, DJ uh, on a a radio station that wasn't in my high school, but it was a high school in our in our county, and um, and started my own mobile DJ business and did a whole bunch of stuff and um, and and I like to think that uh, that when I see your story, that maybe if uh, technology was a little bit different, uh, we might have taken a similar, not the same for sure, but a, a similar path. So it's interesting to me because you obviously were a go getter. Uh, you liked something and you wanted to. Uh, to, to act on it. So let's start at 17 years old. You're a high school kid hanging out, doing the high school thing, and you decide, I guess, you wanted to start a blog. So tell me about that, and um, how did you decide that, and how did you make that into a reality? Yes, it was very strange. It was never something I ever actually set out to do. I was just your regular 17-year-old trying to balance school, friends, family, and all the other random activities that go on when you are a kid. And uh, I got to the point where I've just, I've been in love with music since I was a kid. I really have. I've, I remember my parents like bathing me to Motown and Prince when I was super, super little. There you go. There you go. I love it. We got, (laughs) we have a winner. 
it's just instilled in me and I just, I have such a passion for it. So while I was in class, when I'd finished work earlier, I'd have a spare or even at lunchtime, I would start writing down reviews for records I loved or songs I loved. And then I told my parents, they're like, hey, why don't you throw this online? People have blogs and stuff. Just put it out there. Worst case, no one sees it. And it's just creative for you. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I started putting things online and it started catching on. I'd write about a band, send it out on Twitter and they'd randomly retweet. And I was like, holy crap no way this is happening um so then with the very uh business mind that my my dad has he said you know that mindset he said why don't we uh, see if we can start interviewing people and maybe turn this into something for you i think it i think it could be cool and so you know i was a little apprehensive because i wasn't the most socially skilled back then but we went to a concert brought this crappy little camera i went to see a band called bombay bicycle club who were opening for uh, sam roberts i believe at echo beach here in toronto and uh, met the band afterwards my dad was like hey here's your chance ask them a couple questions i was like no dad no and um <laughs> i ended up asking them a couple questions on camera and that was posted on YouTube. The band retweeted it. It did really well. Then I started doing these two Q video interviews, which were these super cheeky, horrible little interviews. Oh gosh, don't go back in my archives, guys. But those did lead to uh, me finally getting hooked up with some big labels and publicists over here. And I started working with the big wigs and um, just, I would be out every night downtown. I, honestly, it'd be four or five nights a week. I would be at, at clubs, just interviewing bands, hustling. Um, and that led from smaller interviews to bigger interviews and smaller opportunities to bigger opportunities. So it was never something I set out to do, but it's always something I was, you know, as soon as the idea was kind of out there, I was passionate about. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very glad that it ended up being this way. Cause I'm having an amazing time, especially with the wrestling stuff now. So yeah, definitely wasn't a goal, but I'm I'm glad to be here. I love the hustle. I love the hustle. And uh, <laughs> so you, so you, at some point, you would get in touch with the uh, the record companies or the management companies, or and they just started calling you. It was a bit of a mix of both. I think I was making enough waves at one point, maybe about like the year mark, because when I was 17, I was still in high school. I still had about a year and a half to go, and I was trying to just do it as a hobby like oh this is a great way for me to, me to meet the bands I love I wasn't really thinking of it from a um, financial standpoint yet so I started reaching out to Universal uh, Warner and Sony Music here which are pretty much the three biggest labels um, and so they responded and they threw a couple of smaller interviews my way. I guess they really liked the format of it and saw promise in me because I was pretty green and new and very young. And it just went from there. It just started to blossom. And I went from with Warner interviewing Group Love for a super cool indie band. And then a couple of years later, they threw me Metallica. And, you know, it's just led from one thing to another and and then there were other points where I'd hear about labels I never heard of before because I was new to this industry and naive to be honest and they'd be like hey we have so-and-so coming through town would you like to interview them and I'd be like whoa no way so it was a big combination of both but I tried to take every single opportunity I could and hustle and you know content is king so that's awesome. That's awesome. I, uh, like I said, there's I I I I, I see so, and I, you know, you probably cringe because I'm a 53 year old old man now. But I see so <laughs> much of a young David Penzer in a in a in a, a young Alicia too. I don't mean to like try to steal your thunder because you did this all on your own for sure. But uh, it's just it's just really cool to see somebody who has a passion and who tries to put it into place. Uh, so um, I read. 
and I don't know what this means actually, so I'm hoping you can tell me that you were have been a, in your young career a jury member for national music award shows. I watch a lot of national music award shows, maybe not in Canada. Um, uh, but I'm familiar with the Juno Awards and the uh, uh, Canadian different awards. I was wondering if uh, what what that means to be a jury member. I've never heard of that term. Yeah, so I was actually a jury member for a few of the biggest ones here, and one of those being actually the Juno Awards. Um, and what that entails is they'll pretty much send you a bunch of records and albums that artists have put out, and you, through an online database, get to pick and choose, okay, so these are my top five albums. I think these ones were the best breakout albums. This is best new album, you know. And um, from there, you just choose who you think should win each award. And sometimes it's as easy as filling out a survey, and then, you know, that's the jury. Sometimes you actually... Uh, one time this, this company, uh, Prism, they um, had me come down. I got to do some interviews for them, and that was super cool. Then we have one called Polaris Music Prize, and they, they put me up in um, this really swanky hotel in Toronto called The Drake uh, for two nights where you literally deliberate with 10 other jurors and you have this crazy fancy dinner and you all just like hash it out and talk about why your album that you were assigned out of the 10 records or whatever, um, why that one deserves to win this, this prestigious prize. So there's a bunch of different ways to go about it, but I was luckily chosen to be a juror for these certain companies and it was super fun. It was very intense. I lost so much sleep over that more like fight for your album one. You don't even know, but yeah, it's, it's cool. And you get to represent Canadian music and fight for those albums you love. Cause it's not a small feat winning a Juno. It, it means a lot here in Canada. So it was really cool to be a part of those, um, those prestigious juries. Yeah. My wife's Canadian. And so she grew up, uh, there and uh so she's always telling me about canadian music and and then uh you, you ever hear of a band called glass tiger yep i have have you interviewed them um i don't think so there were like three bands with glass in their name when i was interviewing like heavily doing music stuff so being like super honest with you i don't remember if i interviewed glass tiger because there was like four bands where it was glass something and i'm like oh my gosh this is like a this is definitely a uh, trend that's coming around. Funny story that uh, has nothing to do with anything, but since we bring up Glass Tiger, uh, they uh, they were, uh, uh, you know, a, a band in the 80s that uh, played clubs and, and proms and dances and stuff. And my wife was on the committee for her uh, senior prom in 1985 and booked Glass Tiger. And between the time they booked Glass Tiger for their prom and the time they played, they had a uh, number one hit called Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. It's the only hit they ever had. Uh, and I'm sure, uh, I don't know that you would know it, but people who are older would, would know the song. I'm not going to sing it. But um, So they had to come and play a prom in uh, New Brunswick, <laughs> or no, not New Brunswick, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, at a high school with the number one single. Uh, not only in Canada, but in the U.S. Because they were booked. Hmm. And, <laughs> and and that was the only hit they ever had. That was one hit. Truly, I actually Googled it the other day. Truly one hit wonder. Uh, yeah, but, really. But, um, but yeah, but it's funny because, you know, uh, some, some Canadian bands have, uh, like I had never heard of Great Big C. I don't know if you know of Great Big C. 
I do. I'm not like a massive fan. I've had them on my on my uh, site before because I think one of my I used to have a massive team of writers before I started doing wrestling stuff. Um, and yeah, they'd go out and cover a bunch of their shows when they came through town. So you not only uh, did this yourself, but you had a whole team of people that were out there doing interviews. Yeah, uh, not interviews. I had photographers and people who would go to shows to review concerts. I was pretty much the sole interviewer. I think I had maybe three people who did a couple of one-offs, mainly audio, but I was the only person really on on YouTube doing them. But um, I had a team of about 40 volunteers around the world from Manchester to uh, wherever they, like Germany, like everywhere, um, who wanted to just go to concerts and write and build their portfolios. So I said, hey, I have this platform with a big following. Like, feel free to, you know, they'd reach out to me and I say hey yeah I can use you and get you into these gigs wherever you are and yeah it was pretty crazy it was really crazy back and balancing that many people I can imagine uh did you get to go to the actual Juno award ceremony um I was invited to it but it conflicted with another uh. campaign that I had I know. Um, it conflicted with another campaign that I had. So I was like, oh, no. So I did have a photographer down there who got all the behind the scenes stuff, but I didn't get to actually go down. So one day, I'm sure. Would Metallica be the mu- the biggest musical group you've ever interviewed? Or do you have uh, is there somebody who could top that? Um, I had Metallica, Motorhead, Yoko Ono one. So as far as like just pretty prestigious and notable people, I'd say those are probably the biggest ones um i'm trying to think yeah probably as far as like notoriety goes i'd say those three what what do you ask a yoko ono (laughs) i mean a true (laughs) a a true legend and i mean was married to one of the prolific uh music legends and songwriters in this in the the world what i'm just wondering because i'd be scared i'd be scared you know what uh interviewing her i actually met her once and she was actually quiet but nice but uh but but yeah what would you what, what 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 do you ask a yoko ono were you able to ask her john lennon questions or is that off limits yeah so she was very cathedral and just very um free-spirited and that was very cool to hear uh at the time i interviewed her she had just dropped this crazy remix um tape that pretty much was just dance floor hits so i was able to ask her about songs that or remixes out of the ones she's done that kind of gets her moving and on the dance floor and i feel like it because of the time i interviewed her and it being more you know less serious i was able to get some really fun answers from her and one thing i was able to ask her um, kind of leading into to Lennon a little bit was um, after all these years, do you feel that people have finally given peace a chance? And she got really excited about that question. And I think I'm trying to remember back because this interview is really important to me, but she says something along the lines of, um, I see the, I see everyone wanting peace very badly and hopefully we get there if people start thinking more positively. So, you know, I didn't want to bluntly mention Lennon, especially because that's usually all she's asked about. But sure. I like I like the way it was worked in, and it was a very positive and sweet ending to the interview. Good question. I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> w- wondering how much time uh, you put in uh, when, back then, if you were doing so many of them. Uh, how did you research that? Uh, did you go to Wikipedia? Was it uh, uh, and and how much time did you put in uh, researching each interview that you did? Yeah, so I never go to Wikipedia unless I'm looking <laughs> unless I'm looking for release dates for albums because usually they got that right. But I find Wikipedia a lot of the time when people go to it, that's where you find like your more basic questions. Especially when in wrestling, it's like, oh, where did you train? What got you into it? Like you can find all that on Wiki, and I try to not get those types of 
answers from people because you can find those on the web. So I'll stalk people's social media pages. Like I've gone back three years for some people and found little tidbits about them where I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea they liked this. Their fan base won't know they like this. So I'm going to totally bring up blank. And uh, I love shocking my interviewees with random little facts I find out about them where they're like, how the hell did you find that out about me? So I'll just stay up super late, not really sleep when I have a lot of interviews at once and just research like crazy. I, I say as interviewers, we're kind of professional stalkers in a sense when we're really trying to <laughs> try to find those shocker questions. So yeah, it, uh, it depends on the person, but most of the time it'll be a good few hours of, of research. So, yeah, I, I saw, I was looking, you know, I was doing my research and I saw a couple of the uh, the videos that you've done and I saw you interviewing Ricky Steamboat and you brought up the yes. fact that when he learned to blow fire, it was at a circus, uh, in the back of a circus tent uh, and uh, he, he tells a funny story about that. I don't want to give it away. And um, I've interviewed him for this podcast. I've been around Ricky Steamboat, you know, on and off my entire career. I've never heard that story before. So I was I, I was like, where the heck did she get that? So <laughs> very impressive. And that's, it's a good story, actually. And I've asked him, you Thank know, you about so how I've asked him about how it must stink to have to have that kerosene in his mouth the whole entire match as he's sweating and stuff but i didn't i never knew the story about the blowing fire so hey you need to go to her youtube page and uh, check that interview out and you could find out uh, how ricky steamboat learned how to blow fire and how it was almost a short-term affair ladies and gentlemen we've followed it from day one all in a bet between dave Meltzer and cody rhodes that landed into a brand new Wrestling promotion, a new league, All Elite Wrestling. We've talked to Christopher Daniels, head of talent relations, and we followed along all the pay-per-views, and it's getting close. One week from this Wednesday night, October the 2nd, TNT, get ready for the revolution with All Elite Wrestling. It's the most exciting professional wrestling in the last decade, made for wrestling fans by the wrestlers themselves, and I will tell you, my two older sons are stoked for All Elite Wrestling on TNT to start. AEW flies harder, hits harder, and with their all-inclusive roster of superstars, they're breaking all boundaries. Chris Jericho, Cody and Brandy Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Nyla Rose, so much more talent that is All Elite Wrestling. I'm so excited for it. We've talked about it for a long time, and it's finally here. A new league rises one week from this Wednesday, October 2nd, 8 o'clock. It's All Elite Wrestling on TNT. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution. You're listed as a music influencer. I'm an old you-know-what, and I have no idea, although I've seen this term, what an influencer is. I, I hear it, like, you know, with the Kardashians and stuff. What, what exactly is a music influencer, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, it's a very annoying term for millennials who have followings, and <laughs> they're, uh, pretty much what it is is a lot of... Um, awesome brands will bring me on and hire me to do certain campaigns for them. So I've had the amazing opportunity of working with Hot Topic, Budweiser, um, BMW, and 
they'll set up a campaign format where they say, hey, we'd love for you to post this, this, and this on your social media pages and your blog or YouTube. And in exchange, we'll bring you out to this festival or we'll pay you this or we'll do this for you. And so it's kind of just using that fan base that you have and sharing other people's products and experiences, but through your eyes. So I have, re- I have a lot of fun with them because I get to team up with some amazing people like BMW drove me out to Coachella and oh, I was wow. able to be there. I was able to go to California for the first time ever. I was 18 when they brought me on and it was just a mind blowing experience being able to go on my first trip ever alone, going, you know, to the States, California, just, it was mind blowing. And it's all because of this hobby turned job I was able to build for myself and have that influencer title. So it's one of those names where it's like a little pretentious, but it's just what it's called. And I hate being looped into like that crowd of brand influencers, but Hey, it it is what it is. I I like thinking of it as like a content creator, but yes, that's kind of what the gig is. So you were, did you, they uh, put you backstage at Coachella at 18 years old? Yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty surreal. Like we were in the, I'm I'm getting my, I'm getting my mind blown here. Because I'm such a I'm such a music wrestling and music are the only two things I really care about in life other than the Tampa me Bay. Me too, race. me too. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had this random email from an amazing marketing agency reach out to me. They said, "Hey, we're working with BMW. They're bringing out a bunch of influencers from around the world. There's one guy from Germany. There's a girl from Costa Rica. Um, sorry, three people from Germany, and then me from Canada. And they're like, we want you to represent BMW. We'll fly you out to LA. You'll do a one day road trip in our new cars and." Um, um, there were these beautiful cars with like butterfly doors and all oh, we felt so, so badass. It was amazing. And uh, so we pretty much just like drove through the desert and they put us up in a villa for a whole week. We got to go backstage and VIP and just interview bands, walk around. It was so much fun. And I love music so much. So the fact that I got to experience that through a company that hired me because of this thing I created. It was just, it was mind blowing. Like I remember landing in that plane and seeing all the palm trees and just crying. Like, how did I get here? Like it was, it was very surreal. That is super cool. And that's why I wanted John to tell the story. It's an amazing story. Hey, before we kind of go from uh, music to pro wrestling, I wanted to ask you, what's the best concert you've ever seen live? Probably still Panther. Um, they're this metal band yeah, I, I, who pretty much. Oh, you, you, you okay? I they're didn't, like a, they're like a them. cover band, right? Um, they used to only do covers, and now I think they have about five records of their own that are just amazing. But it's pretty much like glam rock. They mock old bands for people who don't know, but they also create their own amazing metal music. So they're just crazy. It's pretty. It's pretty crude, but you know, you 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 can handle that kind of humor. It's just incredible music, amazing musicianship. So I've seen them four or five times, and they're just the best. I've heard a lot about them. Um, do you think you? I mean, do you, do you aspire for any interviews that you haven't gotten yet, like a like a Mick Jagger or Paul McCartney, or uh, you, if if the, if this was the end of the road as far as music goes, is uh, uh, could you uh, would would you be happy? Um, there's still a lot of people on my list. I think I'd be extremely happy if I just had to say bye to it right now, just because. There are so many people I never thought I'd ever have the opportunity of meeting and I have multiple times. So I'm super thankful for that, but I would love to pick the brain of Paul McCartney and 
I so, so badly wanted to interview George Michael before he, before he passed because um, that's one of my dad's favorite artists ever. And so I've been listening to him since I was a kid. And I, I just think that would have been a really touching and amazing interview. So unfortunately, it can't happen. But he was he was on my list. So, yeah, there are definitely a few I, I, I would still like to do. But if I had to walk away, I'd be pretty proud with the stuff I've turned out. Of course. So obviously, um, you were a pro wrestling fan growing up. What promotions did you watch and who were your favorite wrestlers? Yeah, so growing up, I absolutely loved Stone Cold Steve Austin, Edge, John Cena, Randy Orton, and Chris Jericho. They were pretty much... I think that was five I listed. So that was my top five. Um, I think because they were also charismatic, amazing on the mic. They had those poses and were able to posture in the ring so incredibly. And yeah, those were the ones that always stood out to me. And then I think years later, that's when Jericho was always there. Then that's when Cody Rhodes came into the mix. And I was like, oh my gosh, Dashing Cody is like the best. It was hilarious. And um, then I started getting into indies years later i didn't even know the independence existed until about three years ago um, i was one of those you know you, you learn and i was one of those naive people who was like just you know about wwe then i discovered impact and then i found out ring of honor and then i was like oh these guys wrestle for like not only roh they wrestle for these brands and you kind of see that like family tree diagram starting to build sure. so and i started getting into other people but um growing up those those were the, the guys i absolutely loved and so when did you decide to start uh, adding wrestlers into your uh, uh, interviews? And um, what what made you decide to do that other than the fact that you love the business? Yeah, so my dad has played a very essential role with my business and my website. He was the guy who came to me with gigs. Um, we, I always went to shows with my family in general growing up. I still do. But uh, he'd go to concerts with me and film my interviews for me. And we just had a really strong bond. So it got to the point where these music interviews were doing so well. My dad said, hey, you should really try to expand this. You have this amazing fan base, but you're missing out on so many other worlds, whether it's athletes, wrestlers, celebrities. And I was like, you know what? He's totally right. So he said, start with wrestling. You know it best. You're actually like intelligent within that field. You'll be able to speak with people as if you know what you're talking about. And let's give it a let's give it a try. So I randomly emailed Ali, uh, Cherry Bomb, you know, and right. um, she said yes. So I went down, interviewed her at a local promotion. Interview went super well. Posted online. The feedback was great, and I was like, okay, I think I found my my sec market let's roll with this and see how it goes and i just did not turn back from there and now the wrestling's kind of consumed the music but um i'm still i'm still keeping at both but the wrestling's really become a really massive part of my life now and back then when you first started other than you know trying to contact people on social media how were you know the music business is one thing but the wrestling business is a harder business to break in break through they're uh, not as hard as it was back in the day but there's still a lot of walls up how were you able to break down those walls uh, quoting uh, one of your favorite wrestlers <laughs> right break the wall down um, I think for me because I already had that background in music, I wasn't just starting from scratch. When I started with the music stuff, I was like, hi, I'm Alicia, I'm starting this blog, nice to meet you. Whereas when I went into wrestling, it was, hi, I'm Alicia, I'm an interviewer, this is my channel, I have this many followers, and I've interviewed blah, blah, and blah. Can I interview you? So I kind of already had two feet to stand on. So that's the way I approached it. Um, I would kind of pitch to people, hey, this is me, this is what I do, let me know if you have some time. And I think my 
pretty laid back approach of interviewing just came through in the way I'd approach people and um, stuff would just line up. I would go to my local promotions, interview their local wrestlers, then local promotions would start bringing in bigger talent as, as they grew. And so I'd have access to the, you know, those larger um, guests and legends and wrestlers coming through town. And then that led into me doing the backstage stuff for certain companies. So it all just very organically blossomed. You made a great point saying that you interviewed Metallica and then, and bands like that. Like I said, you, like I'm mistaken, you probably had Jericho at Metallica. You know, if, 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 if she interviewed <laughs> yeah. Metallica, then she's okay for me. Uh, Chris is a close friend of mine. So, uh, uh, I know a little bit about him. They just, uh, just did his dream gig out there in uh stadium in LA opening for Iron Maiden. I don't know if you saw. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. I've been like following what Jericho has been doing for a very long time, just because of the, the sheer love of his charisma in, in the industry and how he's always able to reinvent the wheel. So seeing all the cool stuff he's been doing in music is just so inspiring because as someone who's trying to excel in both music and wrestling, it's like he's a guy I can literally look at and say, hey, he's doing it. So it's it's a possibility. So yeah, kudos to him for actually excelling at it all. It's crazy. Yeah. I got in the early days. I got to be on, got to ride with him and travel with him, and got to be on, on on listen to his creativity and the crazy things he'd come up with that ended up working. And 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 to this, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke because he's my friend, or even because I'm I have the listing of his house. If anybody wants to buy Chris. Jericho's old house. Uh, you can hit me up at uh, uh, Exit Elite Realty, but um, uh, and and I wouldn't say that, but he puts it all over his uh, his Twitter, so uh, it's not a secret. But um, I, I I am still amazed by his ability to reinvent himself uh, almost on a yearly, by every couple of years, every six month basis. It's it's incredible to me, and uh, I'm always astounded by it, and, and uh, so. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Let me ask you a question. What was the interview with a wrestler that you were most nervous to do and why? Ooh, I was really nervous when I interviewed Jake the Snake for the first time because he was probably the first, like, quote, you know, legendary person I, I had on. Um, right before him, I was only interviewing indie, like, local wrestlers. So when one of the local promotions said, hey, we're having Jake the Snake come to our show, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to interview him. But I just knew him, especially first being in the wrestling industry. I'm like, I really don't know how much of the stuff I see on TV is real and how much isn't. So I'm like, is he going to be the super intimidating guy who, like, pierces you with his eyes during his dark promos? Or is he going to be a sweetheart? I don't know. So, um... I was really nervous to interview him. And for anyone who watches the interview back, he is clearly a sweetheart. Um, so that was, that was super cool for me. Uh, I was really nervous, of course, interviewing Jericho just because of the sheer love I've, I've always had for, for what he does. And who else was I super nervous for? I was extremely nervous the first time I interviewed Kenny Omega. Like before getting to know him, I was like, holy shnikes, I'm about to interview the best wrestler in the world. This is insane and it was only about three months into me doing wrestling interviews that i got that omega interview so it was a lot for me to take in i feel like it was a great interview but i was just you know in the back of my mind i was like oh my gosh i'm here with this guy this is crazy <laughs> so i know at one point you worked as a backstage interviewer for impact wrestling how did that come about and uh how was that experience yeah so i worked for impact for a little bit because um 
I originally did stuff locally, and then I started working for a company in Windsor that Scott Moore was a uh, co-owner for. So I did some stuff for them backstage there, and then Impact actually filmed and did co-pros with that company. Right. So at that point, my you know their eyes were kind of on me just because I was there, and they I think their mindset was, hey, she's here, she's good, let's use her for our stuff. So it just once again was just one of those right place, right time, organic. Uh, collaborations that came about. Were there any differences uh, between doing these blog interviews that you did the research for and doing the quote-unquote scripted television interviews that you would have done on Impact or Border City Wrestling uh, or any of those shows? Oh, it's a huge difference. When you're watching the interviews on my website, my YouTube, they're just me shooting the breeze with people. It's it's um, I have questions going into it, but it's fairly just free flowing and not scripted. Whereas when you do these promo backstage interviews with the wrestlers, it it is scripted and you do have to react to things and act and be scared at times or be like, Oh, that's great. Good luck tonight. So it is a bit more acting forward and I've never acted. I never took classes. I've never, even in school that was drama was not my thing. So when the opportunity came about, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to work on these skills and hopefully I'm cut out for it. And luckily I picked up on it really easily and it just came to me very naturally. So I'm really glad for that, but it's definitely a big difference. You got to be a part of all in back, uh, the first one. And, uh, how, how did that come about? And, uh, how much, uh, how much, how cool was that to be a part of that show? It was amazing. Outside of Double or Nothing, um, that, you know, I'd have to say All In was before that happening. It was the highlight of my career. Being backstage with all of these guys that I look up to and admire so much, and then just seeing the sheer amount of talent around me and all of the legends and all of the hot indie wrestlers and just, just there was just so much passion backstage. Um, and then me, <laughs> you know, I, I would just look around and be like, oh my gosh, I'm here with these people. Like I'm actually on this level and they see that in me and they want me to be on their pay-per-view. And it was also special too, because it was about a year and a half after I did that first Omega interview I mentioned and just seeing his growth has been insane. But just thinking about myself, it was very full circle for me. Um, he was the that big wrestling interview that went viral and got me so much of my fan base in wrestling and got my name out there. And so for me to have that first interview with him a year and a half beforehand and then do a promo with him for television, you know, for All In, it was just, uh, it was very full circle and very surreal. I'll never, never, ever forget that night. So are you affiliated with any promotions now? Are you sort of a free agent? What's going on in the world of Alicia Toot? Yeah, currently free agent right now. I have so many things coming up, and that's kind of the beauty of being your own boss as well. Um, There's pros and cons to each, being signed, being independent. But, um, yeah, at the moment, I'm working with a bunch of different amazing companies, and I have a lot of appearances coming up. So everything's listed on my Twitter. I'm always very active about that stuff. But, uh, yeah, you guys are going to be seeing me in a lot of different places coming up. 
As we uh, enter the fall of 2019, the wrestling business is at a place where it hasn't been in probably 20 years. Uh, and uh, what you know, Impact Wrestling just uh, got signed to Axis te- Television. Uh, AEW, of course, is uh, debuting uh, in weeks. NXT, as we st- talk about this, will actually already have debuted their first one-hour show on uh, on USA and and Ring of Honor and so many other pro- major league wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling. What are your, how do you, what are your favorite wrestling promotions? What are your favorite wrestlers? Uh, who do you look forward to seeing? And 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 what do you think about the uh, the the 2019 uh, wrestling war, so to speak? Yeah, I just think it's going to be amazing for wrestling fans. I think a lot of people don't get the behind the scenes and the logistics of everything, and they do see it as this you know, this, this big battle and this big war that's about to, have to happen within a bunch of promotions. And yes, there's totally some truth to that. And, at, at, you know, on the other side of all the crap that happens behind this, behind the scenes and backstage, um, it's just amazing for wrestling fans. Like they went from having, let's say 10 hours of wrestling a week. And now there's going to be, let's say 15. Like if you're a wrestling fan, your DVR is going to be full. Um, there's so many, amazing new talents that you're going to see showcased on television thanks to the uh, major league wrestlings and aew and then at the same time you can still watch wwe and still see those familiar faces that you've loved since you were a kid and it's just a really special time right now i feel like it's a win-win for any wrestling fan because if you don't like it you just don't have to watch it but if you do love all types of wrestling then you 100 percent can just kind of lurk between every single promotion and pick and choose what you want to watch. So I just think it's, it's a very exciting time right now. You seem to bring a lot to, uh, to a company. Any, any word from WWE? Have they reached out to you at all? (laughs) You allowed to talk about that? Um, not necessarily allowed to talk to it, but I have, I'll just say that I have heard my name is, been said to a couple of people who are there so <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave i'll just leave it at that is that something you'd be entertaining um yeah that's something i'd definitely be interested in i'm always open to hearing from people hearing offers seeing what kind of things can be worked out and then you know fingers crossed that everything lines up regardless of which which company it may be so definitely i have a very open mind in that regard Hey, last question. If uh, uh, the wrestling uh, fairy came down and said, uh, "I will, will interview," you could interview whoever you want. One wrestler that uh, of your choosing that's your dream interview that you haven't interviewed before. Who would it be? Ooh, that's really tricky. I feel like hmm, I don't want to pick one, but that's the question. Um, Eddie Guerrero, I think, would be a really wow really interesting one um i know i didn't mention him earlier on in like my top five but just seeing the uh the pure influence that he has had on so many of my wrestling friends and so many people i've interviewed he's probably the name that comes up the most whether people are just kind of talking about oh remember when we saw that or this moment or i I just think that would have been a really fascinating interview so yeah you know, I'm sure. I'm sure every day, if someone was, one was to ask me that, the answer would change. But right now, let's um, let's say Eddie Guerrero. I was thinking. I was thinking Stone Cold or The Rock. So you surprised me. Yeah, The Rock's up there, 100. percent Like he's <laughs> he's my number. He's my number one to get. But since you said you know dead or alive, it's like 
I got to go with the per, you know, the person I, I, I unfortunately can never get, but I, I would have loved to. And Eddie was a unique and interesting guy for sure. And uh, you would have, he was, he would have been a sweetheart and you would have loved to interview him. Um, <laughs> so tell uh, uh, the fans out there who aren't familiar with uh, what you do, where they could find you and where they could uh, follow you. Yeah, absolutely. I really hope for anyone who's not familiar with what I do that you're able to learn some stuff today. And if you love wrestling interviews, please just swing by and check check my stuff out. But um, if you just hit up alishatoot.com, you will find all of my socials there. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, but yeah, just hit up Alicia Toot. I love meeting fans. I love saying hey to people. And I love just kind of sharing every aspect of my life, whether it's behind the scenes or just stuff I have coming up. So say hello. Well, it's a cool story and uh, uh, something that I wanted to delve into since I met you at WrestleCon and we finally were able to make it work. Congratulations on all your success at such a young age. And uh, I can only imagine the sky's the limit to where we'll see you in five, ten years, and probably maybe three, four years. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have been on here. And I'm really glad that our paths did cross at, at WrestleCon with that mini interview because it did lead to this. And I'm very excited to be on here. So thank you for caring. Thank you for taking the time. I, I just I think it's a cool story and, and, and I see thank stories you. out there and people that are go go getters and uh and, and, and that have made it. And you know, I think, you know, uh you know, I had to I had to fight my way to for everything that I was able to get and so I really appreciate people who work hard hard and think outside the box and are able to accomplish things that most people their age are not able to accomplish so good on you and uh uh congratulations and uh, uh best of luck in the future and let's stay in touch thank you so much absolutely i genuinely love what you're doing your way of conversing and kind of getting things out of your um guests it's it's awesome so from interviewer to interviewer thank you i, I genuinely mean it i i love being on here so thank you want to thank Alicia Toot for City Ringside this week. Interesting, interesting story. Uh, and I could definitely see WWE, uh, AEW, and other promotions, even like an MMA promotion, big time and uh, interested in, in her skill set of what she has, a built-in audience, uh, built-in YouTube audience, a built-in uh, following, and ability to have some uh, interesting interviews. So definitely check out her site. And... Uh, as we said when I started this podcast over 100 episodes ago, uh, wanted to interview professional wrestlers, legends, current stars, uh, but also people that behind the scenes and, and, and that are part of the business in ways that are different. Uh, and, and, you know, we got to talk to Alicia today, and, and I thank her for her time. And what a story, interesting story. Uh, going to Coachella backstage when you're 18 years old. Uh, has to be on a bunch of people's bucket list and um, she got to do it and it sounds like she got paid for it so good on her uh, but uh, now transitioning to pro wrestling and um, wish her all the luck in the world and uh, I see big things for her and hope you enjoyed hearing her story let us know uh, you could hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer D-A-V-I-D-P-E-N-Z-E-R. It's easy to find. You can check out the site on Twitter, at Sitting Ringside. I uh, had somebody just a couple days ago uh, on Twitter that well, hit me up about the Kurt Angle story when he beat the living crap out of me, and uh, uh, not on purpose, but it's part of an angle. And, uh, guys, you know, 
really had a great back and forth with the guy. He had some questions and I told him my story and, and it was uh, fun. So if you want to interact or if you have any questions, any uh, suggestions for who you want to see on the podcast or any thoughts about this or any prior podcast, be sure to hit me up on Twitter. It's a fun way to communicate and uh, we don't uh, get mean and nasty. It's all in good fun on Twitter at David Penzer and uh, trying to line up some great guests, some interesting guests uh, to talk about pro wrestling in this interesting time that we will call the Wednesday night wars, but Oh, it's so much more. So stay with us, strap on your seatbelt because it is just starting and we are ready for it. We're going to be not only reviewing the content and talking about the ratings and uh, the futures of uh, NXT and especially all elite wrestling, but we are going to try to bring you guests that are either in those companies or that are uh, influencers, as Alicia Toot would say, in the pro wrestling business and get their take on this war. So um, it's getting interesting, as we said at the outset of the show. Just looking forward to seeing where this, where this journey takes us. Until next week, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.